Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Let's drink it in. Let's enjoy the glory of Spurs playing the way Spurs should play, which is going out on the front foot, trying to score loads of goals, being great to watch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The View from the Lane, the uh, Capital Letters award-winning Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. Joining me, host Danny Kelly of The Athletic's James Moore and Tim Spears. Hello, everyone. Um, coming on today's show, we'll discuss, I mean, obviously, this is clickbait, whether Spurs are better without Kane. And um, we'll take a more zoomed-in look at the summer transfer business after the proverbial slamming of the window. But first, let the fires be lit in the high points of the land. Let the bunting hang from every church spire um, and let bands play joyfully in the streets of our towns, villages and hamlets. Um, Spurs look like a decent football team. They went behind away from home at Burnley. You know, that's my test. What do you do away from home, particularly what you do uh, when you fall behind? Um, and it doesn't matter who it is in the Premier League. All away wins are very welcome. And the style of that one was very welcome indeed. Tim Spears, you were in Burnley. Was it your first trip to Turf Moor? Absolutely not. But it was the, f- it was the first sunny one, actually. I've, I think I've been there at least six or seven times. Good pun. Yeah. Good pun. He didn't mean it, and I don't. He still hasn't no, it's got gone it. Gone over his own head. I mean, that's like that's like juggling or something. The ball's gone over his own head. Tell us, tell us about the day. Tell us about the match. Well, tell us about the match. You can tell about the day in the evening later. I don't. I don't, I don't get it. What's the? What's the? Sunny. So he scored a hat trick, mate. It's a sunny day. One of Spurs' players got a rare hat trick away from home. <laughs> Sorry, it's quite. It's too early. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was an incredible uh, afternoon. I really enjoyed it. Everybody enjoyed it. Uh, that away end was. Utterly joyful at full time. I was just sat there, sort of taking in the scenes as 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 uh, the players went over and Postacoglu went over, and I was like, you know, you guys have earned this. This has been it's been a long time coming, um, and you can really feel like everybody's enjoying the moment. Um, and you know, I wrote in a in a piece after the match. Too often we sort of fixate on, and I'm sure we will during this podcast. What does this mean? How far can Spurs go? Where are they going to finish? I, I get the impression that no one in that away end was thinking about that. Like, what does this mean? Where are we going to finish? It was all. Let's just enjoy this moment. We've waited a long time for this. Um, and yeah, that they, they, they were great, Danny. What what really impressed me in terms of the match was how different they were to their to their sort of previous performances and victories. So this was this was a game where, as you say, they they fell behind and had to come from behind to win, which is the first time they've done that under Postecoglou. But also, you know, the the manner of um, the performance. There were a few counter attacks here. They had the fewest, the smallest number of possession they've had in any of their games. Um, Burnley came at them with a real ferocity and intensity that that they had to see off. But it was, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a very different way of playing this time. You know, Madison was sort of up front for long spells, and they only put in four crosses in this game. You know, for example, it was more um, 
fast-paced on the counter-attack through balls and looking to take advantage of Burnley's extremely naive um, high line, which Son um, just gobbled up, to be honest. So, yeah, um, they were utterly clinical as well. You know, two or three of the two or three of the goals from outside the box. It wasn't like there were easy chances that they were taking here. So um, that just shows you the confidence, really, for me that that they've all got. You know, when Romero's sticking one in the top corner from twenty yards, it shows you the confidence in the group. If you give James Madison absolute freedom, it is an easy chance. Um, nobody closed him down. They decided their high line, they abandoned their high line for a very deep line. But um, let's not get into the, um, you know, quibble about things here. James, I'm sure you saw it. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, are you sharing the, this, this joy that does not pretend, and well, let's get, we'll get on to the, the pundits in a second, of which, of course, I do not include myself. Um, we'll get on to the mainstream media in a minute. Um, in the moment... In the moment, the sunlight hitting your face after three and a half years in prison, how did you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, it was good fun. Um, I mean, I think Tim pretty much nailed it there. I think, I, I mean, look, I, I think I've said in this podcast before, I've, I have such huge respect for people that travel up and down the country uh, to watch away matches. And particularly at the moment when the train strikes, which I, I don't think I'm, I think I'm okay to speak for the whole podcast when I say we support. Uh uh, make way more difficult like like and and Tim was going to talk about his journey I'm sure a bit later on uh but yeah to drive from North London Essex Hertfordshire wherever you are up to Burnley you know through Birmingham Manchester on a sunny Saturday afternoon when everyone else is out driving as well a complete nightmare really and that performance would have made that feel all worthwhile and I've seen a few tweets suggesting that to be the case so I'm not just kind of projecting there uh, and yeah th- those those people that have travelled home and away as much as has been possible over the last four years and obviously there was a big window when it wasn't the case uh they deserve a game like that where it's just good fun uh, and you're right let, you know let's not kind of throw forward too much and uh think entirely about big picture stuff let, let's just kind of enjoy let's drink it in let's enjoy the glory of spurs playing the way spurs should play which is going out on the front foot trying to score loads of goals being great to watch. I mean, they basically had like a sort of goal of a season competition uh, uh, on Saturday. Son's first goal was a brilliant finish. Romero's goal Ooh, was absolutely nonsense. Uh, Madison's goal, like in the shadow of those other two, no one really talked about it. was a really good finish. Porro quarterbacking for the other goals. Unbelievable. Yeah, that ball is absolutely brilliant and barely mentioned anywhere like in the, the mainstream media, as you put it. Uh, there's no bound anyone to mention that pass one of the best passes I've seen in the Premier League this season um, and just to say look we are not going to do the prognostication about how far they can go and all the rest of it A that's mad B false dawns and all the rest of it C hubris but of course the pundits have to do it um, and so special mention then to um, Walcott I won't even give him his first name alright let's be polite Theo Walcott um, on the television yesterday um, let me say this. I was um, explain, it was explained to me by somebody who doesn't support but oh, he's just being a pantomime villain. Okay, uh, pantomime villain, or as I've written here, actual. <laughs> <laughs> a little two nil. Never pl- hardly played a game after that because I've got a curse on him. Um, and you know, don't do it, mate. Just for the sake of it, it's people who retweet horrible things just to get two more people to follow them, or three of those. Thumbs up, mate. They don't. They don't translate into actual money, or more importantly, human growth. They're just 
other idiots enjoying your your nonsense. What actually really irked me about that was Roy Keane immediately afterwards saying Spurs, uh, sort of implying Spurs would fall apart during the winter, and then saying, oh, "I'm a Spurs fan, so I, I can kind of say that." Can you imagine someone using the fact they're a Spurs fan as a defence for just constantly moaning about Spurs? I think I think that's absolutely pathetic. Wink to camera. <laughs> Richarlison left out, um, a knock dropped, well, however you want to put it. How did it work, Tim? How did Spurs go about that? Yeah, as I was saying, I mean, it was a very different approach. Burnley, ridiculous high line in the first half, uh, which was tailor-made for Son. I just, I, I didn't read, well, I, I read a lot into it before kickoff, but by full time, I was kind of just thinking, oh, this is a horses for courses approach. I'm not sure... Um, Richarlison, not sure Richarlison would have done a better job than Son today. And well, it goes without saying because he scored a hat trick, I guess. But it felt like it wasn't a game for holding the ball up or linking play or heading to the six yard box to get on the end of crosses. Like I said, they only put in four crosses all match. That wasn't what they were there to do in this particular game. So um, I just felt like it wasn't a game for Richarlison. And. There will be a more of a horses for course approach depending on who the opposition are. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him start the next match at home to Sheffield United, to be honest, if when we'd expect Sheffield United to um, sit a bit deeper and Spurs will have far more possession. And yes, there'll be more crosses in those games and maybe more through balls into the box. So um, it was obviously looks like a master strokes in what's happened. Solomon getting two assists and some with a hat trick. Um, and yeah, just smart management, I think. Not just going out there with the same team and the same approach every single match. That's what really that's what really stood out for me from this game was how differently Spurs approached it. And yeah, Richarlison being dropped, I wouldn't read too much into it, to be honest. What, what I would say about that Sheffield United game is I think uh, Brazil are in Peru on the Wednesday night before that game. So I suspect, uh, actually, that might have a bearing on the selection for that game. I could be wrong, but I reckon that might mean he doesn't play or, isn't, or doesn't start at least. Solomon did very well, a couple of assists. Uh, um, and, and, you know, I've not seen enough of him playing, really, to say other than that he looked pretty good. There was one run where he slalomed in and out of people and you thought, okay, if you've got that technical ability, although everybody's YouTube CV has those runs in it. Um, we've mentioned Pedro Porro's passing. Look, I'm, it's too early for me to play the view from the lane. I told you I was right card. When there was doubts about Porro, I just kept saying he's got such a – an array of physical and technical gifts that it seems very unlikely to me that he's going to fail to be a top footballer. You've just got to find a way of playing him. And let's be honest, uh, defending isn't his natural forte. He was skinned for the first for the first goal early on. Um, but as I say, defending is the thing you can teach. Everything else you have to have in your locker, and he's got all that. What about destiny of doggy, um, James? Again, this, it was probably his quietest game, but the stats, which I know you've got there in front of you, are incredibly impressive. 38 of 41 passes found their target. He won eight out of nine duels, tackles, whatever you want to call them. Um, and of course, when the you know the time came for him to assist, he broke down the, their he broke down their attempts to get past the press. Um, I like a player who can be having one of his quieter games and still be absolutely critical to what you're doing and efficient. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, obviously we've talked about this a couple of times, but I, I'm amazed by how good he's been. And you talked about him a lot last season, having watched him play in Udinese in, in Syria. Um, and I think quite a few people who had seen him, or bits and bits and pieces of him, were excited by the prospect of him kind of being a rotation option in this team. And I think even when we were picking our 
team, we were kind of predicting our teams for the Brentford game. I think we were mostly minded that he would kind of be a rotation option with Davis and that maybe Porro and Emerson would switch as well. But it does seem like Porro and Udogi are the first choice partnership. And you know, maybe less of a surprise uh, with Porro, despite what you rightly say about there being some concerns about his offensive work. But Udogi, I mean, I, I'm really staggered by how good he's been. And to me, he already looks like one of the... <laughs> This is going to sound mad after four games. To me, he already looks like one of the better players in the Premier League, and I mean that. I like he, for a player in that position. And look, uh, we've seen Gareth Bale, and this is a slightly lazy comparison, given it's based entirely on position. But we've seen a left back go on to be one of the best footballers in world football over the course of like a sort of five, six year period. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I, I, what I'm saying is that. This is not what Spurs should be aspiring to, and I know you'll agree with this, Danny. But like, he, he will be an 100 million pound player like that. And that, I don't know, that clicking of the fingers came across there on the microphone. Uh, I'll that, do it for you that quickly. Yeah, that was worse than mine. Oh, I don't think so. Can't hear it. Does it not come up on the microphone? I don't know. When you click your fingers, Tim, can, can you, you clip mine? your click your fingers for us, please? No, I can't click my fingers. Oh, you can't click your fingers? No, you can't do it. Is that a northern thing? I'm from the, well, I'm from the Midlands, so that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Can you roll your tongue, Tim? Going. No. What can you do physically? Can you say Ped- Pedro Porro's passing is my party piece? Pedro Porro's passing is my party piece. It probably should be his party piece, shouldn't it? I guess. Any- anyway, right. Uzogi, uh, incredibly good. He's only going to get better. Be excited. Yeah, absolutely right. Um,. Look, there's, there's there's so many things we could say about the game. This is a question from our emails, you know, um, vftl at theathletic.com, I want to say, yeah. Um, this is from David in Finchley, which James Cole said is Arsenal territory. I think it's rather more mixed than that myself. I was, cor- I was corrected. Okay, that, yeah. okay. Um, he, said, he, he asks, as a way of getting us to discuss it, is Harry Kane sitting in his Bavarian Eyrie? I hope he has a Bavarian Eyrie. Uh, surrounded by Schnitzel and Steins, looking over at Old Blighty, thinking quite to himself, blimey, the way they're playing, I could well be on my way to breaking Alan Shearer's record by Christmas and possibly winning even a cup or a trophy, though obviously not the League Cup. Um, I don't suppose there's much um, buyer's regret with Harry Kane, but uh, he, w- he will be keeping an eye on these games and seeing the amount of touches Spurs are getting in the opposition penalty area, Tim, compared to last year. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I don't think I don't think he particularly. I think I think he'll be enjoying watching it, and maybe we're thinking, oh, what it'd be like to play in that team. But I don't think he'll be feeling particularly jealous of what's going on. You know, this is um, he's had this before at Spurs, right? He's been playing in exciting teams that have you know had to go for the title. Um, so there's nothing necessarily new in what he's missing out on. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely a sort of a. It's hard to tell, really. It's hard to tell whether. Spurs are looking so so good because of what Postacoglu is doing in the new style they're playing, or is there a slight element of you know Kane's not here, like a post Ronaldo situation at Man United where suddenly you know the main man departs in very different circumstances, and suddenly the others are sort of freed up a little bit. I do think there's a slight element of that. It's hard to tell how much, like I said, because everything else is so new here. But I think it's definitely sort of taken the stabilizers stabilizers off for some players. Well, Son said it himself after the game, didn't he? Um, when he's being interviewed, I guess as captain, um, where he was saying, you know, Harry Kane 
is what he is. Love him and usual sunny list of reasons why everyone is just the greatest person in the world. And then uh, he said, we have to step up. No, all of us have to step up. Now, those are easy words and it's early days. But a happy workforce is tends to be a productive workforce, and they 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 look like they're in. Never mind us in the, in the Spurs fans who who want to lick these first world games like a massive ice cream. Um, but they look like they're enjoying their work as well, and I think that goes a long, long way. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I would just say, Danny, that Spurs were literally the most uh, one man team in the Premier League last season in terms of goal scoring. So Kane scored, I think, forty five percent of their goals, which is more than anyone in the league but it was as we know it wasn't just the goals it was he was the attacks went through him they started via him he was the figurehead the one that they looked to but now you know the amount of different ways that they score now already only after four matches you know they've got six six different goal scorers I think um, lots of different ways that they've scored counter-attacks through balls set pieces um, long shots you know that makes them harder to defend against I guess because there's, there's not just one obvious threat um, the cha- the challenge will come when teams um, come and sit deep and frustrate them, and you know those cold winter nights where you're relying on a moment of inspiration, like Palace away last year when they were. It was an awful, awful match. I suppose were terrible, and then from nowhere, Harry Kane uh, opened the scoring. I think he got the second as well. And then they ended up winning four nil. But I remember thinking that night, you know, without Harry Kane, they just wouldn't have won that match. So there might still be those occasions to come. However, right now um, they look they look. Better off, certainly, for having more goal scorers, more options, and not one obvious threat. I note with interest that Kane's career is completely off the rails now in Germany. Uh, Bayern 1-2-1 at Mönchengladbach over the weekend. They were behind at one stage. Kane neither scored nor assisted. Get him off. Get him off. Um, in fact, Tell, the kid who is his backup, um, came on and scored the winner. So he's placed under threat as well now, as I understand it. James, I interrupted you there when you were about to drop a pearl bomb on us, a wisdom bomb. Oh, yeah, well, that, that was what I was going to say, really, that uh, we'll have a way better idea of that when Spurs are playing badly. Like, uh, uh, And Tim is right. Uh, that, that's when you really noticed Kane, when the team wasn't playing badly and he scored the only goal in a game that they won 1-0. And they're going to have to, and you're right, and, the, you know, and so is Son. They're going to have to find ways around that. I want us all, though, addressing you, the um, now millions of listeners, the view from the lane, patience, etc. But, you know, the first time Spurs get beat, um, let's hope it's not the North London derby, um, and maybe they go into the next game and they draw, I want us to remember the feelings we've had over the last few weeks. That's not to excuse bad performances or stupid players and all the rest of it. That's our job is to, to point those out, to criticise them, to try and improve them and all the rest of it. Um, but let's try and remember these feelings, bottle them somewhere, um, and compare them to perhaps the last... Three and a half of the last four seasons where we were getting beat anyway and having no joy at all. I try and remember all of that. Well, I would say, Danny, with what you're saying about how we react to a defeat, is I'd kind of throw back to some of the stuff we were saying towards the end of last season about it feeling like a complete lost cause because there was no like sense of a longer like a, a, a longer journey, like a longer term vision or like a project or like a group of players that you can buy into or like a kind of vision of what this team could become. But like none of that is true now. You know, you can see, like we talked about Doggy, but there's players like Saar and Poro 23, you know, well, there's a lot of young players in that team. Uh, and there's a clear high ceiling in terms of like possible improvement given the manager's only been in charge of four games. So even if they were to drop points in the next couple of games, like 
I don't think people will be quite as distraught as they would have been frustrated by losing games last season because now you can look at it as part of the bigger picture again. Whereas before you were like having to focus entirely on the 90 minutes and what that result would mean. Whereas now it's like the context is completely different. Um, last word on this from me before I go over to Tim for one more comment. I'll come and take a second. Um, I love Christian Romero, but I thought I was, I was the you know it was also very much my job to point out last season when he was being an absolute nitwit at various times. So just to make the point, apart from his brilliant goal, which suggests to me he has a career as a number ten if he ever wants to take that up. Um, four games. Zero yellow cards, which is certainly his best run for Spurs. I suspect it's his best run since he left primary school. Unbelievably, even more unbelievable than that. Do you know he hasn't actually fouled anyone yet? He's saving him for the Arsenal game. Now you're making me think he's not trying hard enough, you know. <laughs> so thir- 13 Spurs players have given away fouls this season. 13. Well, yeah, very good. Rotating it, very good. He's not one of them. And neither, neither again, this is remarkable. It's according to Opta, they're pretty good with this kind of stuff. Uh, neither's um, neither's Van de Ven. Neither centre half has conceded a foul. Apparently, can I can I put it to you that having like a proper midfield in front of a defence <laughs> means that they're not as exposed? Sure. With apologies for frying back to last season. Yeah, but, uh, but I mean, most of Christian's terrible fouls are committed way beyond the midfield, aren't <laughs> they? True. Let's be truthful. In the, in the opposition half, yeah. How high up the pitch was he for that man? Oh, it was like 20 yards from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could only see um, Hugo Lloris using powerful binoculars. That's how far away he was from his own position. So, Tim, people tell me that if I check the local papers in the Burnley area, I'm very likely to see what a fantastic weekend you had up there. <laughs> uh, I mean, I won't get that far. No, you never would. But let's assume that I'm right. <laughs> what happened? So, I mean, yeah. As James alluded to earlier, um, as an absolute nightmare journey to get there. I mean, I probably set off a little bit later than I should have done, but, you know, Google said four hours. So I set off at quarter past eight, half eight. I didn't get there till half two um, <sighs> due to horrific traffic on the M6 going through Birmingham, Manchester. Then there was nowhere to park when I got there. Uh, Burnley, uh, great club, by the way, and I love visiting there, but they didn't put on any parking for the press, which was a bit annoying since there was a train strike. And uh, they told me to park at the cricket club, but when I got there, that was full. So I ended up having to, yeah, find some really dodgy place to park. Um, anyway, so my um, my commission editor on the day, Kev, said, don't, don't, don't drive back tonight. Just just get yourself a hotel. So I did. Um, there, there weren't many hotels in Burnley, which I, I considered up to my uh, required standard of um, somewhere to sleep for the night. So I went across to the, to the far more glamorous uh, town of Blackburn, um, about thirty minutes away. I can't fathom. I can't fathom why you didn't just travel a little bit further away, like like, like further, London, further south, <laughs> <laughs> Wolverhampton, Walsall. Yeah, I, I, I just, <laughs> I just wanted to get my head down, you know. So yeah, went to Blackburn. What looked like a nice hotel. Got there. My TV didn't work. Oh. Um, my takeaway took one hour forty five minutes to arrive. What did you have? And. Uh, I had a smashed burger. And to be fair, when the guy brought it, he was like, mate, I'm so sorry for the delay. But honestly, and he actually winked at me. He said, this food is amazing. You're going to love it. Um, and he was right. Absolutely. Probably the best burger in, in Blackburn. That's what they that's what they called themselves anyway. Right. And then uh, and then anyway, yeah, there was a fight outside my, my window and, and, and somebody got arrested. Uh, it was all sorts of carnage kicking off outside my window. So it was quite an eventful uh, day, all told. 
I just want people to, I wanted people to hear that um, because I think there is a misunderstanding in the general population in Britain and beyond that um, journalists and pundits have a very easy life being ferried around um, to free football matches where they, all they have to do is write a few hundred words about how great the game was before once again being transported in absolute luxury back to their double king-size beds. It's not like that. And a great deal of sympathy for Tim. And if you want to get up a small collection for him, um, we'll be very happy with that as well. There's a brand new Totally Football show out right now. It features Raphael Honigstein, Daniel Storey and Liam Tharm looking back on round four of this Premier League season. What's in there? Well, there's Arsenal's mighty win over Man United, Nottingham Forest, a fistful of transfers and a triumph at the bridge. Uh, did we overpraise Newcastle just because they beat Villa? And are we about to do the same now with Liverpool? There's Roy's Eagles taking it to the limit and so much more in this brand new Totally Football show available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, welcome back, everybody, to The View from the Lane. I'm Danny Kelly. With me today are James Moore and Tim Spears, still basking in the start the Spurs have made. Not just the points. Points can be got, but the uh, the method, the, the manner in which they've been accrued, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, Adam Nathan, um, who runs a very good podcast himself about American football, if you're interested in the Seattle Seahawks, uh, said we were a bit open at times on Sunday. He wonders whether, and I want to get a quick answer on this, we'll have a chance to preview these games, when Liverpool and Arsenal are coming up in the not-too-distant future, um, will he change tack? Will he, um, Tim, decide that you know he needs an extra midfielder? Or will he change what he's been doing, do you think? Um, it doesn't it doesn't strike me as a manager who would do that. I feel like um, he'd want to imp- impose spurs on the game more than, you know, sitting and waiting to see what the opposition are going to do. Um, I, think we've, I think we've seen... Yeah, at Burnley, he came up with a different tactical plan. So he'll obviously he'll obviously have something different in mind. He's not just going to set up the same way every match. But I'd be surprised if they sort of went in themselves and and changed too much, depending on the opposition, in a negative way. 
think um, as as he says, and I do believe him. You know, <laughs> he tries to win every single match, and um, he'll be going to the Emirates to try and win for sure. Yeah, that selection at Fulham, notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having played the attacking fullbacks against Manchester United, who admittedly already look a level below Arsenal and Liverpool, I, I would be surprised if he changed much to go any more sort of mega defensive than that. Uh, so yeah, I would imagine if everyone's fit, it would probably be the team that started this Burnley game. But I mean, who knows? Well, you're probably going to have to try and get Brennan Johnson into the team somewhere at some stage, but we'll see when and if that that occurs. Um, this is a lovely question from Oli Andreas M. Olsen. How do you cope with the wait until the next game? I have to say, this is not a question that's bothered me much in the last few years, but he's absolutely right. I, I'm now despising international break, Tim. I want to get on with it. Bring it on, Sheffield United. <laughs> oh, I'm going. I'm going away to watch the England game, so I'll get, I'll get my James Madison fix during the break. Anyway, good for you. Do you think you'll play? <laughs> um, good question. I hope so. Would have thought so. We'll see. T- James, are you are you are you now thirsting for each game? Yeah, I, I, it, it feels so different, and it is again. You know, f- four or five games, including the League Cup game, into the season, it, it is pretty incredible that we feel so differently about the upcoming games and you know, if you think of some of the some of the international breaks of the last couple of seasons where either we've just been desperate to get there to kind of hope that Re- reset improve yeah. over the course of the break yeah there'll be some kind of reset or like an injured player will come back or you know things just feel a bit different in the next game uh, or, or it's just been complete chaos as we saw with what I guess would have been the last international break the Conte madness at Southampton that meant he wasn't in a job by the time the players came back two weeks later uh, so yeah it's definitely it definitely I mean that's in stark contrast isn't it I think those two international breaks I mean they feel like talking cheese all right listen let's get on to the transfer window shall we uh, because we're happy today we'll start with a positive um, signing Brennan Johnson for what turned out to be 47 and a half million of your English pounds um, let's hear from the Athletics' Nick Miller on what Johnson can bring to Spurs and where he could fit in. This is Nick Miller, writer for The Athletic, but also Nottingham Forest fan, which means I'm coming to you through the tears to tell you about Brennan Johnson and what Tottenham can expect from him. You'll already know Johnson's main attribute, which is his pace. He was clocked at a speed of 22.8 miles per hour for Forest in a game against Manchester City last season which was the quickest in the Premier League. Uh, his pace absolutely terrifies defenders who even now still don't seem quite sure how to deal with it. Uh, he scored eight times in the league last season, seven of which were crucial goals in collecting points for Forest's uh, relegation battle, as well as three assists, which meant only Tyro Wanyu scored more and Morgan Gibbs-White assisted more in Forest's season. In terms of his position, he's played all along the front line, often as a true right winger, sometimes as a main central striker, but his best work has probably been on the right of two strikers. Now for a lot of the time, Forrest have played with split strikers, which making room for Gibbs-White in the number 10 role, so uh, Johnson played a little wider than you might expect, which is probably roughly similar to where the right-sided forward in Ange Postacoglu's 4-3-3 would line up. 
there are elements to his game that still need work. He's not the most technical player. He tends to beat players not with flicks and tricks, but with his pace. It sometimes feels like he needs to be slightly more confident with his pace and take players on more. Um, his finishing probably needs a bit of work too. Some of his shots can lack a bit of power. But probably the most encouraging thing for Spurs is that he's dealt with steps up in quality whenever he's been faced with one. He starred for Lincoln City, went on loan in League One. Then the following season, he played in every game of Forest Championship promotion campaign. And last season, he did the same as Forest survived. In short, you're getting a gem, Tottenham fans. Please take very good care of him. Thank you very much, Nick, for those. Um, thoughts on Johnson, Tim? Um, I guess the obvious question to ask is, could he displace Kulusevski? No, I'm not sure about that. I think they're very different players. And and again, I, I feel like it'll be a horses for courses approach. I mean, watching that game on Saturday, I did think halfway through, Brendan Johnson would love this and thrive in this. Um you know, given he likes counter-attacking and he's all about pace and less about sort of technical ability when you're trying to overload teams, which would be a slight concern for me if Spurs do end up playing most of their matches in that way. But Kulisevsky's a bit vulnerable, for sure. He's he's not done a, he's not done much to sort of demand his spot in the starting eleven uh, so far. But Johnson, I think, will probably be more of an impact substitute at this point. I think he's a really good addition. He's not. He's not particularly sort of refined. He's. He's. He's not the finished article. You know. He's very. He relies on his pace, which is a, a slight concern for me. In that, players who rely so much on their pace um, inevitably dwindle when they pick up injuries later in their career. Because in terms of his technical ability and um, his finishing, you know that do, that does need some work. I think he'll improve in that regard with the players that he's going to be training with at Spurs and the management that he's now under. Eight goals last season in a, in a really poor Forest team where he barely saw the ball. I think there was a stat going around at the weekend where in terms of shots per touches, he was right up there in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, a, a good addition. And by all accounts, you know, a really good lad who's, who's this is a bit of a dream move for him. So um, I think it's a good signing. Now, this is a slightly more danger of being a slightly more negative end to the podcast, but it is our job to reflect everything that's going on. And we will end by once again doing three hearty cheers for the performances so far, in particular the one at Burnley. Um, Charlie uh, Eccleshare of very much of this parish has written a piece in The Athletic calling the summer window, quote, pretty underwhelming because there was no special business done after the sale of Harry Kane. And James, um, you, you took to Twitter, as I believe the phrase is, and said, and this is, Jay, these are your own words, which, of course, you may strike down. I'll say that uh, you've been hacked. I wasn't anywhere near as enthusiastic as most people about Tottenham's summer 2022 transfer window. I mean, that does sound like the kind of thing I would say. It is. So far, so, so far, I can hear your voice. Um, but this window is somehow infinitely worse. And there's the over-exaggeration I would expect as well. Yeah. You said Harry Kane. Uh, you sold Harry Kane. You should probably put a bit more effort into improving the rest of the squad. Do you want to confirm and expand upon those um, those thoughts, James? Well, firstly, when I was getting pelters for that tweet and then Charlie was getting pelters for a piece of following morning, I did worry that uh, all my messages to Charlie on Friday afternoon saying he probably needs this piece to be a bit more negative. And if they're not going to say, you know, you probably need to be a bit more damning of how this has unfolded. Uh, I did sort of regret that. Uh, what, what I really regret is that use of the word infinitely that you highlighted there. That maybe uh, I think was probably the bit that uh, people fixated on. Um, 
I mean, to, to me, it is a worse window, right? You've so, you've sold Harry Kane, and like you have to do a hell of a lot to like in terms of like the level of the squad before and after. If you sell Harry Kane, uh, there's a lot you need to do to get up to uh, that level and go beyond it. And you know, the start of the season has been fantastic. I, I, I'm incredibly happy with how both both the results and how they're playing, even more with how they're playing. But to me, I, I still can't help but feel that when push comes to shove and the games do become more difficult and, you know, <laughs> again, to sort of paraphrase Roy Keane, we get a bit further into the season, uh, we may feel slightly differently about that transfer. I, I, like, I'm not sure people will be quite so bullish about it in December, so. Well, given your track record this since I joined this podcast, I'm not a di- I'm not inclined to push back too strongly because uh, I didn't entirely agree with you last time, and you were right. Um, Jay, uh, Tim, you're a, you're um, notionally um, neutral in all this. What have you made of Tottenham's transfer w- window now that uh, it is over? Uh, I thought it was pretty good to be honest. I'm surprised at that. I'm, well, I'm not Come surprised that that James been negative, but um, I'm yeah. I don't know. I well, I feel like that there's a bigger picture here that we haven't seen. We haven't seen all the picture yet. We haven't seen the whole jigsaw. You know, we we've seen Ivan Tony's name mentioned an awful lot, and do you know what? If if he was going to become a Spurs player, it certainly we obviously wouldn't have been there, would it? So there may be a bigger picture um, that's filled in in January. I would say, I mean, Charlie made the point in his piece that the creative void left by Kane has been sort of filled by Madison. Who, if we're talking about sort of special players coming in, he certainly looks like he could be one in the prime of his career. He's made a fantastic start, and lots more to come from him. And I don't know if if you look at. If you look at the additions they've brought in, I would say you'd have like a bit of a green tick or certainly like a positive slant on every single one of them. You know, you look at you look at uh, Van der Ven who's made a good start. Um, Solomon made his first start of the weekend to assist. Looks promising. Madison, obviously. Vicario looks like a really good addition, sort of going under the radar a little bit, but certainly improved on the Larice of last season. The Kulisevsky and Porra deals were made permanent. I'd say again, both good additions. Um, and then, and then Johnson. I think, yeah, I think we're all sort of agreed, pretty good signing. And you know, we'll see how he does in the coming weeks. And then you add um, Phillips and Valise. I mean, we'll see their ones for the future. But I don't know. They're all pretty good additions in my mind. And yeah, obviously, uh, there's no sort of superstar that's come into with the Kane money, but. I think it's a pretty good window with more to come. If they don't get any injuries or any major injuries to like properly integral players or bad injuries to anyone between now and the transfer window, then it's all fine or better than fine, in fact. Uh, but you know, if I had said to you, Danny, in June or July that they would only sign one centre back in the summer uh, and the, the, the redemption of Kuti Romero notwithstanding, I think you'd be pretty miffed. Uh, and also, if I said to you, by the way, they're, they're going to sell Harry Kane and not sign a striker, you know, and, and the striker who's replaced Harry Kane is already 25 games into his barren run, <laughs> despite Kane having only just left. Right. I, I, I'm not, honestly, I'm not just trying to piss on people's enthusiasm, as I think was probably clear from the start of the podcast. But what I would say is those two parts of the squad, to me, are still incredibly light. And it could, it could be fine. Like I say, it will better than fine. And if, if Romero and Van der Ven play pretty much every game between now and then, we're laughing. If if Son, if Son, if Son plays up front and scores goals at a decent level, if Son plays up front and scores goals at a, at a kind of classic Son level, then good. Or if Richardson comes in and scores some goals, great. 
you know, if Johnson, Madison, Kulusevski maybe even score goals, all fine. But if the goals aren't quite flowing from any of those players, Son drops off, you know, and I'm not suggesting this is the case, but let's be open to the possibility that that game on Sunday is the equivalent, uh, sorry, that game on Saturday is the equivalent of the Leicester game slightly later into last season when Son scored a hat-trick early in the season, having started without a goal. I, I mean, I'm not suggesting that is going to be what happens, but it could happen, you know, that he th- then doesn't score again for another 10 games or whatever it was. Then it all for, it, it all for very different. We pointed out a dozen times, he's, he's a he's a streak player though. Take last season where he was currently injury. Maybe just having not scored for half a dozen games, he gets a hat-trick. He could probably score in each one of the next five games. There is absolutely like more to suggest that he will score a lot of goals in the next in those next fifteen games than, than hardly any. Don't get me wrong, but like there is a possibility that if he doesn't score, it's going to be looking quite grim. Shout out to the people in the comments on the podcast last week who were saying it wasn't negative enough without me. Thank you. Okay, I mean I, I got to say I've, I'm going to do something I rarely do here. I'm going to be positive and negative about it. Um, the positive are that uh, you know the. The, the two of the things they had to do, bring in somebody who could play at a decent level at centre-half with very little worries. So far, Van der Ven has proved to be that. And bring some creativity to the side from wherever it was going to come. Um, and Madison is doing that. I'm massively positive about everything they have done other than selling Kane, by the way. And no, no, nobody could be more upset about selling Kane. I didn't think they had to do it. I didn't I think they should have done it. And to have a record transfer fee that's now 60% of, say, Arsenal's, um, does not does not roar ambition at you, does it? Let's be truthful. But the, the manager not being a slightly bonkers narcissist means that Saar is essentially like a new player, Basuma's like a new player, I mean, it's like a, it's like a, a doggy coming back. I, I, again, I'm less surprised because of what I th- think I saw him last season. Um, you know, they've got a, lo- a lot of decent players, a load of players. More worrying to me, both of you, is that Lloris, Hoiberg, Sanchez, Dyer, Lo Celso and Dombley, um, who to varying degrees the manager clearly doesn't fancy, are all still there. And I think I worked out this morning, they could all be named in the 25. I think that's wrong. I think they need. They, I think they need to cut two of, of the foreign players, uh, of of which Eric Dyer is one. I may be. Yes, I know. And and Ben Davis, I think. Mm, I think Ben Davis is is homegrown for the Premier League, but foreign for European. Okay. I think. Well, I, I I may have fallen foul of the home the home rules thing, but they haven't got so many players that some of these won't have to be in the squad. I mean, get me right. Help me with this. Udogi doesn't have to be in the twenty five because yeah. he's at age. Saar, Saar yeah. Gill? No, Hill, Hill I think is in now. He wasn't in last season. Okay. But yeah, Phillips and Valise won't have to be on there either. Um, so I, I think from that list, I mean, I, I assume Lo Celso will be there. He's kind of suggested he's going to be involved in the squad, right? He just had an injury. That's why he came up at halftime in the week, last week. I mean, I think yeah, Hoiberg as well, I think will end up as being in the squad. So it's probably... Larissa and Dombele, I would expect to not be registered. I mean, I think uh, Apostacoglu has been quite upfront about Larissa's situation. He's never really intimated there's any chance he's going to be involved at all. Uh, I, I, it does seem strange to me that he he is obviously determined or was determined to be first choice somewhere, and in that has managed to not get a move anywhere. Although obviously, as you say, there's a possibility of Turkey still or Saudi. And Dombele and Larissa, I just kind of think one way or another, will be gone. 
quite soon. I I, I think I, I don't know how that's going to work for Lloris now. If they were going to re- if they were going to release him, they needed to do it before the end of the window for him to join another club before the transfer window in January. So I I just kind of think there's going to be someone will take him or go to Saudi or whatever. And Dombele again, he'll go down loan to Circa Saudi, won't you? It just it just sort of feels like what will happen. Uh, and then it's just dire, isn't it? It's just dire after that. And I hate. Maybe it's a test of his patience and professionalism, how involved he's going to be if he ends up being fifth-choice centre-back or sixth-choice centre-back even. It's not going to be great for him, but it seems like he's been fairly determined to see out his contract, as he's entitled to do, uh, and move on to Bosman next summer. So, you know, you do have to look at kind of the human side of all this as well. And as much as we might think, some of this displays a lack of ambition in terms of like not taking moves or whatever. That you know, Hugo Lloris has young children, lived in London for a decade. I think that's decade. critical with him. Unless he gets an exact right move, he'll stay here. Yeah, he? exactly. Like it's not just about like earning a bit of money and playing some football or not playing some football. It is about like him and his family as well. Uh, and Dyer just got married, right? And his wife now, bought, you know, I'm sure has other things going on in her life. She isn't just like following him around. So it's not just about him. Um, is there anybody, Tim, who of all the myriad names that Spurs were linked with during the window, anyone caused you to sigh that they didn't um, try harder or get it across the line? I'd have liked to have seen Conor Gallagher come in. I think he's, I think he's, he's probably. I mean, he's quite similar to Saar. It suggests to me that they think Saar, you know, rightly so, given uh, his age and his inexperience, isn't ready to go week after week with thirty-eight matches. Um, I think the idea of sort of Gallagher and Madison in tandem was a pretty tantalising prospect, really. Um, it'd be a good move for him. Wouldn't have to. Wouldn't have to move City, and he's you know presumably going nowhere at Chelsea. So yeah, I, I, I'd like to have seen Conor Gallagher come in, but obviously you know with the lack of outgoings, it just was just wasn't possible. James, is there anybody again in that long list of players at Spurs? Some of it was nonsense, of course, but long list of players at Spurs were linked with, uh, even tenuously, that you would love to have seen at the lane. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have seen Gallagher as well, if only because I saw his brother play a few games for Kingstonian sort of six or seven years ago. So it would have been nice to... It's good, good to tick that off. Uh, but Gift Orban, I mean, talking about centre-forwards earlier, uh, it might have felt like a bit of a wild card in terms of his CV up to now. He's kind of played in lesser leagues, but I think it w- would have been a good option. I can, you know, I can, cut, I can understand it, but uh, he's also under 21, so he wouldn't have had that registration issue. Yeah, I guess for me, also under 21, they should have got all the Harry Kane money, all the money for the next few years, and tried to make Brighton do what they do with Evan Ferguson. He's going to be the most expensive player. He's going to break the transfer record, by the way. Spurs' chance to get him was this summer and never again, um, because um, he's a bit Kane and he's a bit Shearer, and um, the good bits are both, not the bad bits. 200 million quid. That's my, I predict, that's my prediction now. I know it was only mentioned, you know, as a kind of, that's the sort of player they should be going for. It wasn't a proper link or anything. But the idea of, of Ferguson arriving at Spurs, which when I was a younger man might not seem so ridiculous. Um, as I say, I think there'll be very large fish circling him before long. I think it might, I think it might have even been too late by this summer, actually. I, I think if Spurs had been properly in for him this summer, I think someone else might have uh, jumped the queue. It's just, I was going through the list of who they might be. Um, and, you know, Barcelona have got Lewandowski, Madrid are waiting for Mbappe, Bayern Munich have got some geezer they picked up um, at the reserves in, in, in the Premier League. So the kind of people who could afford him outside of the Premier League 
It was cut down. United then spent money on a centre forward. I mean, I was working this all up in my head, James, to make it happen. Oh, no. I've just worked out where he's going to go. Go on. <laughs> he's going to go to Arsenal, isn't he? They would never spend a hundred thousand. Well, thanks for listening, pounds. everyone. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening over the years. It's been very enjoyable having you along for the ride. Listen, let's not get ourselves too deep into that hole. Let's reflect again that we started the show. Um, as I say, a hole entirely of our own making. By basking, but basking if you're from the south of England, um, in the delight of the performance at Burnley. We're not getting a carried away, Theo, um, but we are enjoying watching a bit of football, whether you like it or not. And I will always choose to support the team exactly as I choose to support them. Um, just to remind you all that the show has its own official home on Twitter now, at VFTL Podcast. For more comprehensive Spurs coverage, make sure you sign up to The Athletic. Take advantage of our limited time offer of just £1 a month for 12 months. Simply go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod to subscribe. Now, due to the international break, we'll be back next week with a preview show for Sheffield United. So, no show, I'm told, Thursday or Monday. So this Thursday and next Monday, no show because we don't care what Tim thinks about England. It's as simple as that. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, James. Thank you all for listening. God bless you all. The Athletic.